You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 112. Well, hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today we are talking all about resource planning. Is resource planning the new frontier for PMOs? Here's the deal. The feedback that we've gotten from our community over the last couple of years has been overwhelmingly focused on resource management and that it's one of the greatest challenges PMO leaders face when delivering projects across the portfolio. So today we're going to talk about the role of the PMO in resource planning and introduce a simple framework that will ease this process of resource planning and project delivery for your projects across the entire portfolio and simplify things for you as a PMO leader as well. Before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by UMT360. Gartner advises any organization looking to drive business agility to adopt a best-of-breed strategic portfolio management solution, in addition to any tools used to manage execution. UMT360 is positioned in Gartner's recent Magic Quadrant report with a solution that delivers all of the missing strategic portfolio management capabilities you'll need to align all execution with strategy. You can learn more at umt360.com. That's umt360.com. Okay, let's dive in. Is resource planning the new frontier for the PMO? With me today is Jerry Manis. Jerry is a best-selling business author and recognized thought leader in organizational project and resource management. His latest book, which we're going to talk a little bit about today, The Resource Management and Capacity Planning Handbook, with Judith E. Glasser, noted author of Conversational Intelligence, touted as the first book dedicated to what is essentially the drivetrain of organizations, the effective use of its people toward its most important activities. Jerry's prior books include the international bestsellers, Napoleon on Project Management, Managing the Gray Areas, and more. Cited by leadership experts from management guru Tom Peters to Orlando Magic, VP Pat Williams. Wow, Jerry, that is just awesome. Thank you so much for being here today with us on this episode. Thanks, Laura. Absolutely. And it's such a pleasure. I'm so glad we got to meet each other recently. And we were just chatting about our dear friend, Donna Fitzgerald, who is now being mentioned in like half of my podcasts for different reasons. (laughs) She's the ultimate connector and a woman that is brilliant and a real thought leader in project portfolio management. She was at Gartner for a long time. She and I were talking and she said, you know, Jerry Manis. And then as I told you, I was chatting with my friend, Don Mahan, sitting on our back porch, because we're both Floridians, about you as well. So it turns out that we have a lot of friends in common in this space, and I can't believe it's taken us this long to get to know each other, but I'm thrilled to have you here, have you a part of this episode, and also speaking at this year's PMO Impact Summit. So thank you so much for being willing to share your brilliant insights with this community. Thanks. I'm glad to be involved. Absolutely. Okay. So let's just dive in. I want to really peel back the layers of this conversation around resource planning, because this is a big one my community keeps talking about, is the pain they experience with managing the people side of all of the changes. And it's not just 
the organizational change management, et cetera. It's also how do we figure out how to best and most effectively utilize our people and have our people right size, I like to say, allocated to projects and not constantly pulling their hair out, right? Because it feels like it's a painful process for everybody involved from the resources themselves to the functional managers, to the project managers, and of course, to our PMO leaders. So you literally wrote the book on resource management and capacity planning. So I'd love to talk about what made you decide to focus on resource management and to write this book. Well, Laura, I've worked with many clients where resource planning was a key pain point. Sometimes they didn't even realize it was a pain point, but it was. <laughs> Experience the symptoms for sure. Unavailable resources were causing them to miss crucial time windows. People were overworked, and it might sound familiar to a lot of people out there. They were making mistakes because of multitasking and so on. And though I'd spent quite a few years consulting on the topic, I was looking for books for reference, and mm. to my surprise, none existed. So I figured, I guess that's uh, one I have to write. <laughs> so right. around that same time, I was participating in two global studies on resource planning. So mm. I had a lot of analysis to draw on, plus my own experience, not only as a consultant, but as a practitioner for a number of years. I had several clients who created really effective practices that were working well for them. So I had them tell their stories in the book. So often I say it's as much of their book as mine. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And I'd love to get an insight into those stories and hear a little bit about their experiences as we're going through this conversation today. Is there anything that sticks out at you like right away that's just something that really either inspired you or helped you kind of pinpoint the real challenge that we're experiencing in resource management? Well, I think there are a number of stories in the book, certainly about their struggles trying to implement resource management and mm. trying to uh, convince uh, management of the right process, but also some of the challenges and how they overcame them, whether or not to do uh, time tracking, for instance, and for those who did, what techniques worked best where it didn't seem like a burden and seemed more as a something the organization needed. And other organizations found ways of doing it that, that were more practical. All right. All right. That's good. That's good. Now you're also involved in the ISO standards committee that's creating the workforce allocation standard. Can you talk a little bit about your involvement there and how that plays into all of this? Sure. I was asked to get involved since they were using my book for research. And since then, I've been on a great international team that meets weekly. Workforce allocation is a new standard to go along with the workforce planning standard. Now, there's often a bit of confusion around these terms, and to a degree, they're still being defined. Uh, workforce planning is made up of two elements, really. It's made up of strategic workforce planning, which is the long-range talent and capacity planning, and operational workforce planning, which is making sure you have the right people available at the right time to do the right work. You, know, you may have heard that described, but that's operational sure. workforce planning. And workforce allocation, which is the new standard, that's the tactical side that focuses on assigning and allocating people or named resources to work. So hopefully that clears it up a little bit. And I'm also on the USANC Technical Advisory Board for HR, and they represent the US in the international standards community on all matters HR related. And, and these standards are lumped in the HR bucket, so to speak. Right. So not only have you been a part of some pretty in-depth research in this space, you're also 
kind of leading the way and helping to set the future of standards around resource planning and management. And so that probably feeds what you're able to share and educate others on with respect to where we're headed, which is great because that's the whole topic here. Is this really the future of where PMO should be focused? So this is awesome. True. Um, yeah, and I think it's still emerging. It'll be interesting to see where the terms end up and and uh, how much traction uh, this gets. Uh, I know in the PPM community, people always talk about resource planning. I know in the agile communities, you mentioned the word resource and they, they hold up the sign of the cross in front of them because yeah. it's looked in terms of dehumanizing people when you're strictly dealing with human resources. The workforce seems to be a, a term that's gaining traction on the international community. Ah, interesting. Instead of resource, right? Workforce instead of resource kind of. Yeah. Currently, I think resource is still the main term that people know, at least in the PPM community, but Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah, absolutely. Now I'm curious, do you find it a challenge to try to get companies to consider resource management and invest the time in actually making it work? Or should I say workforce management? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it can be. The biggest barrier is often getting the resource or the functional managers involved. It truly takes a village. The resource manager is often the only person with a clear picture of the worker's upcoming workload. Because Mm -hmm. when you think about it, the project manager is concerned mainly about their project. Uh, The team member or resource, they know their current workload, but they might not know everything coming down the pike. So really, the resource manager has the broadest picture. So Mm -hmm. that's why I say it's key to have the resource manager's own the labor forecast for their staff, at least approve it or have visibility of it, and work in conjunction with project managers to align the right people with the most important work. And it's hard to do this without the resource managers being involved. That's often a big challenge. Another barrier is often getting management to commit to building a capacity assessment into the project intake and portfolio management process. So often they manage to infinite capacity They disregard feasibility completely, and then they wonder why projects are delayed. So if a strategy isn't feasible to deliver based on the resource capacity, it's better to know that early and make your adjustments accordingly. Right, for sure. Now, I don't want to give away all of the goodness that's going to be in your summit session this year, but I'm wondering if we can get a little sneak peek into the capacity quadrant, four keys to demystifying your resource planning. Can you talk a little bit about this capacity quadrant and how this very simple framework is helping people rethink resource management and planning? Sure. I developed the capacity quadrant as a simple framework because it is a complex topic. So the idea is to try to simplify it, make it easier for people to grasp. And it's something that anyone can use to make sure they're considering all aspects of what it takes to do proper resource planning. So Mm -hmm. I like to think of it as sort of a balanced scorecard for resource planning. And just at a high level, the four elements it includes are visibility, which is really having your full picture of demand and capacity and the elements that can impact productivity. The next one is prioritization, which is understanding which work is most important. And then optimization. And unfortunately, this is where a lot of people start and they haven't built the proper visibility and they don't even know which work is most important. And now they're trying to optimize. So think of optimization as maximizing the existing resources you have in terms of applying them effectively and maximizing the productivity. And again, it's hard to do this without the visibility and knowing what's important. And then the last one is integration. This I consider the glue that holds everything together. And it's the cadence and structure of your planning and governance and change management 
that you need to maintain your business agility and organizational alignment. It's these structures that you put in place to keep it all together. So you have visibility, prioritization, then you can optimize. And if you have the integration in place, then with those four elements, you can really have an effective system. And it's not necessarily linear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So you can kind of maybe iterate through these things, but to your point, you really don't want to optimize until you figure out what it is you need to have visibility into and right. that things are prioritized effectively. And I think that's really important because when we think about the work that we're doing, the services we're providing and the ways we're delivering value is in PMOs, we look at optimization or maybe even automation early, too early in the process sometimes. And we haven't really answered the big why we're there and what business problem we're solving. And so I like that this quadrant takes that into account because that is one of the big mistakes that I see PMO leaders make. And it's because they've gotten some advice that's suggested to them. First thing to do, go put a tool in place, right? Right. And I was like, well, what are you putting a tool in place to do exactly? Exactly. Uh, Well, I don't know. We need to be able to manage our projects most effectively. Well, which projects? And what business problems are you solving? And what information do you need access to? All those questions have to be answered first before you can optimize, right? Streamline and optimize after you've figured out exactly what's worth spending the time on to streamline and optimize, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I always refer to a a statement that Albert Einstein made. He said, confusion of goals and perfection of means seems to characterize our age. And I I say it also characterizes a lot of organizations. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I say that, I want want everyone to hear that because if you were multitasking, come back to us here. I want you to hear this because I think you've just hit the nail on the head, Jerry. Say that again. Sure. Yeah. Albert Einstein, he said, confusion of goals and perfection of means seems to characterize our age. And that's what a lot of organizations do. They're working on the means, working on the the tools, and they're not even quite sure what the goals are. So I think that's what I try to do with the framework is try to position some context around the goals of what you're trying to achieve. Oh my gosh, you did it. You've just hit the nail on the head with probably the biggest challenge PMOs face in organizations and why many of them are treated as administrative overhead. You just hit it, right? It's confusing means with the end. It's valuing ourselves based on the outputs we create and perfecting those outputs as opposed to ensuring that we're achieving the outcomes. And I've been talking to my community about this for years. And who knew there was a perfect quote out there from this genius. (laughs) That's why I use it all the time. (laughs) Well, I'm using it now too, because that's perfect. It really uh, surmises the opportunities we have and the challenges we face. And if we can just shift our focus, which is what our whole PMO Impact Summit is all about, is shifting our focus away from perfecting the outputs and the process of creating outputs and shifting that focus to earn our seat at the table, keep our seat at the table and be seen as a strategic business partner in the organization by really ensuring that we're very clear on the why and that we achieve that why through the outcomes we're creating with our projects and our portfolio. So this is perfect. I love it. Okay. So can we talk a little bit, because now we're talking about the PMO and their role here, and we've touched on the fact that this is a huge pain point for PMO leaders. Can we talk about what the PMO's role should be in leading resource planning efforts for their organization? Sure. I think the PMO is in a very unique position in that it sees both the forest and the trees. And I've often said that rather than the classic view of the PMO as a methodology police, a true business-driven PMO, and it's a great term. And actually, uh, Mark Price Perry, who I believe we we both know coined that, is a great one, focuses on aligning work and people with strategy. At a high level, it's as simple as that. 
it can boost the company's ability to execute well. But I would argue that communities of practice among the project management community can do this mm -hmm. just as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and the PMO can sort of offer guidelines and, and mm -hmm. some tools. But to me, the real strength of the PMO is in its ability to advise the business on how they can best ensure delivery of strategies. I think it's the perfect candidate to drive resource planning in the organization. And uh, certainly they could use the capacity quadrant as a framework or a checklist and regardless of whatever tools the organization is using. Mm -hmm. Well, and so for all of you that are listening that have not yet registered for the free PMO Impact Summit for 2021, what the heck are you waiting for? We are doing all kinds of fun activities and games and free training and inner opportunities to interact with our speakers well in advance of the main event in September. And speaking of Mark, Mark, I think he was like episode nine of the podcast and he's such a dear. He virtually passed the torch to me because he's no longer doing the PMO podcast that he used to have for years. He passed the torch to me when I started the PMO Strategies podcast, but he's become a dear friend in all things PMO saying yes to all of my crazy ideas ideas like this PMO Impact Summit when we started it many years ago now. So <laughs> I just adore him, everything that he's talking about with respect to PMOs. He has influenced my thinking in this space. And I just wish I had known about the work that he was doing back when I built my first PMO in 1999. So I'm just thrilled to have him to have leaned on when I started doing this stuff with PMO strategies eight years ago. Yeah, he's a good yeah, guy. Mark's a great guy. He has a lot of, uh, lot of experience. And really passionate about this stuff, right? Like really passionate about it. I'm always like, Mark, don't yell at them. <laughs> they're, yep. they're coming, they're coming. <laughs> yeah, so I've, we've done some a workshop together, panel, the summit sessions, podcast. I just, I really appreciate sharing him with the community because you're right. He coined this term business-driven PMO and it really changed the way people think about the purpose of the PMO and what it's supposed to be doing, which is not perfecting the means, it's getting to those outcomes, the end. So I love it. Right. We've talked a little bit about this, your capacity quadrant, and I can't wait for people to learn more about it at the summit. But can we talk about kind of a 100,000 foot view? Because we, about tools and technology and automation related to resource management, because we talked about timing is everything, right? And yeah. it's not the first thing to do. But when you get to the point where you figured out what your what business problem you're trying to solve and you figured out what you need to be doing to solve that business problem, then you should consider automation, right? So can we talk a little bit high level about your recommendations around not necessarily particular tools, but more like about figuring out how you apply the right automation to the resource management process? Sure. I'm glad you mentioned that about the tools, because while it's not the first thing, it is still very important in terms right. of all the things you need to do, as long as you're using the tool towards some business purpose <laughs> and context. Right. But I would say a lot of PPM tools offer the basics of what people need to various degrees, but it's best to go with one that leans heavy into resource planning. And yeah. there are a number of them, but things to look out for, I think, are the ability to assign people and skills to projects at a high level so you can get a top-down effort forecast. So there are a number of tools where you can assign people the tasks, but I right. think the ability to be able to assign people and skills to projects at a high level, and then you get that high level view, I think is important. Reports that can show a demand by project and other groupings, mm -hmm. you can get a, a high level view of, okay, what's our demand? Where's all this need coming from? And utilization by resource and skill. So some basic reports, again, these are resource availability and resource utilization focused. Ideally, some kind of what if scenario analysis, so that way you can gauge the impact of 
project or resource changes on the rest of the portfolio. Another thing nice to have is the ability to set financial and FTE targets at multiple levels of the organization. So that way you can see how well you're doing. And uh, speaking of FTE, that's full-time equivalent for those not versed in that. I always thought most people figure FTE is full-time equivalent, but working with the international community was interesting. Quite a few of these very high-level people in the international community have really no idea what I was talking about when I was talking in terms of FTEs. And most of them used the term labor units, which I also found interesting. Mm. And then one other emerging need is, and I'm seeing this more often, is the ability to handle both agile and waterfall projects uh, from a high level, from a resource planning perspective, and to be able to look at an integrated resource forecast that's regardless of whether people are working individually on projects or as part of agile teams, because Mm -hmm. from a high level, it shouldn't really matter if the project is agile or waterfall, just at a high level resource planning perspective. So I think those things collectively would help. Last thing I'll mention is a lot of tools lean heavy on the project execution side and may even do the portfolio management side well, but a number are light on the resource planning aspect. So again, I'd say tool that emphasizes resource planning is probably uh, your best bet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense because it's not an afterthought. It's the main thing we need to focus on because our throughput and our ability to l- deliver on our portfolio of projects in a way that drives the highest possible return on investment for the strategy is all dependent on those resources and having them not over allocated and making sure the work is staggered appropriately and making sure that we're have the right people in the right place at the right time. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's a lot of rights, but if you do this right, <laughs> you will be able to accomplish that. And I think we've had some really interesting podcasts and recordings for the summit where a lot of people are talking about this need for getting the right throughput and using the example of a imagine the biggest super highway that you have ever been on and if all of the projects if you will or people that are driving the cars get onto that highway the exact same time yeah. you might be 95% allocated right but you right. are not going anywhere right yeah. you've got all yeah. your resources fully utilized but they're not going anywhere <laughs> Because it's too much at once, right? And then in the middle of that, you probably have people having to get out of one car and go get into another car halfway through the trip, right? (laughs) So you got a car stuck back on the highway. So I love that visual because it's something we've probably all experienced from back in the days when we used to commute to work (laughs) and have a lot of time on the roads, right? It doesn't matter if you have a Maserati or a Volkswagen, you're going to be sitting in the same traffic. Bingo, exactly. So I think it's pretty cool to be thinking about it this way is that really the people, our workforce or resources, if we want to call them that, are the engine, right? They're the people that make the work happen. And if we're not taking care of them and properly doing the care and feeding we need to ensure that they have what they need to be successful and that we're not overwhelming them, overworking them and or dragging them in different directions every five minutes of the day, that determines our success or failure with our overall portfolio and being able to be high impact and achieve that high return on investment. It all ties back to the people. So I'm really glad we took a little time to talk about this today. So thank you. I appreciate that. Sure. And I think throughput, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's really the key. You you can have the most value-packed portfolio that has really going to deliver value to your most important strategies. And you can have the best execution processes. We create our scope and objectives. We're able to deliver it 100% of the time. But if you're not planning your resources and there's congestion and Mm -hmm. bad throughput, then none of that matters. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. So is there anything before we wrap up here, is there anything else that you'd like to share to tease people on what they can expect with your summit session when they participate in the summit this year? Well, I'll be sharing some benchmark statistics about organizations and how they're faring with resource planning and what the the successful organizations tend to do that the less successful organizations don't. So I'll be sharing some of that. And we'll be talking about the four aspects of the capacity quadrant and uh, ways to improve in each of those areas. That's awesome. Well, we definitely don't want to miss that session. So thank you so much for being a part of this podcast today. Thank you so much for being part of the PMO Impact Summit. Like I said, for all of you that have not registered yet, what are you waiting for? It's free to participate in the main event, which will have 50, 60 plus sessions of content, all free for you. Some live, most recorded, so you can watch it in your time zone at your convenience during the week of September 20th. So thank you, Jerry, for being here today. I'm so glad that Donna and Dawn connected us and that we now can collaborate on all kinds of fun stuff relating to helping PMOs make a bigger impact in their organizations. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Laura. All right, Impact Driver, that's it for today's session. Don't forget that this episode is sponsored by UMT360. Gartner advises any organization looking to drive business agility to adopt a best-of-breed strategic portfolio management solution, in addition to any tools used to manage execution. UMT360 is positioned in Gartner's recent Magic Quadrant report with a solution that delivers all of the missing strategic portfolio management capabilities you'll need to align all execution with strategy. You can learn more at umt360.com. That's umt360.com. Okay, I look forward to chatting with you and all of our upcoming guests in future sessions at the PMO Impact Summit and on this podcast. So do make sure you register for free today at pmoimpactsummit.com and join us in the Impact Driver Network mobile app and community. You can get there from your website or from your favorite mobile device and chat with Jerry and all of our other brilliant thought leaders and all of your PMO peers from around the world that are working just like you are to make a big impact with the PMO. Bye-bye for now. Thank you.